Let's focus a bit on the concept of chatzitza, which is poisev batfil. We learned from a pasuk from halachal meshemis Sinai that chatzitza disqualifies tefila. The kasha is like this: Why do we need a mocker for this halacha? Of course, there's no contact with the water. He was not toivel. Isn't it pashut that it's not a tefila? Answers are Chaim Silvechik. It's not pashut at all. Even when a person has a chatzitza, he enters the water with a chatzitza. He was toivel. He's underwater. He calls it bias maim. He immersed. The chiddush is, and now we need a pasuk for that. If there was no direct contact between the basar and the water, that's a chatzitza which is poisa, which disqualifies the tefila. There is a ma'aseh tefila even when there is a chatzitza. But the pasuk and Allah teach us. That there is a requirement, an additional tonight for tefillah that has to be direct contact, sorry with the mind. So even when one has a chatzitza, it's not viewed as though his hand is out of the water. No, he's in the water. There's no contact between Basar and mind, but he's still in the water. So perhaps that works. Says the Gemara, no. Basak is teaching us that although he's on the water, he was terrible, the person immersed. But the fact is, there was no contact between Basar that aspect of the person didn't come into contact with the Meha Mikvah. That's why the Tefillah is possible. Says Ritva, that's why we need a Pasuk. The Pasuk comes to tell us the concept of, of Chatzitz. That unless there's direct contact, the Tefillah is not valid. But, if only from the Pasuk, I would say perhaps, it's only a problem if the person is covered from head to toe. There's a Chatzitz of Bekulay. And there was no contact at all between Basar and Mai. But suppose he had a bit of Basar exposed to the water. Perhaps that's enough. Because A, he was table completely, as we said earlier. And B, the condition of Basar and Mai was met, at least somewhat. Perhaps that's sufficient. That's why we need Allah al-Mishmah which comes along and tells us. It presents the specifications, all the guidelines pertaining to Chatzitzah. Which is that even when it's uh, just rubai chatzitza, when we have a makpid as well, that poses a chatzitza concern and disqualifies the tvila. Now speaking about makpid, how do we define hakpada? Says the Rashba, it's defined based on what's commonly accepted. Meaning, if in society this is not considered something objectionable, that even if he himself finds it objectionable, that's not considered a kpeda, and it's considered battle to the person. The Ramam says, we reckon with his opinion. So even if for everybody else, it's not much of a concern, but if he is makbed, it's considered a kpeda, and it's not battle to the person, it's a chatzitza. How do you understand the, uh, the Hezbra in this machlekes? Says Achsam Soifer, and Ramosha Feinstein says the same thing in Igris Moshe, it depends what we're trying to do. Are we trying to uh, remove the chashivas? Are we trying to lower the importance and significance of the of the chatzitza? Or are we trying to make it bottle to the person? Two ways to look at it. When something is not makbid, is it something insignificant, inherently insignificant, in which case it's not considered chatzitza? Or do we say, the reason why any makbid is not a chatzitza, it's because 
the person considers it part of himself. It's bottled to his flesh. It's not considered chatzit. The Rashba follows the first approach. The reason why something which has no kapeda is not chatzit is because it's a gira within the thing itself. It's inherently insignificant. If it is a Rashba, how do we determine lack of significance, lack of chashivas, based on the minigoylem? Right? Whatever is commonly accepted as being insignificant is indeed considered insignificant, does not have chashivas, and is not a chatzit. Whereas the Rambam looks at any makbah differently. The reason why a thing which has no kapeta is not a chatzit, that's because the person wearing that chatzit considers it to be part of himself, part and parcel of his flesh. It's bottled to him. In which case, says Ramosha, you have to follow this person's um, a particular mindset. <laughs> so if he's not Makhbit, fine. It's considered like his goof. But if he himself has uh, has some objection to this uh, Chatzitza, so although he's one of a kind, doesn't matter. You can't say it's bottled to him when he himself does not regard this uh, Chatzitza as part of himself. So that's why the Rashbah says he followed the Minigayla. Because we're looking at the chashivas of the thing itself, and that's determined by common practice. Ramos says we look at his personal attitude because he has to consider it part of himself. And that's dependent on, on his perspective. Now, Lachla Maisa, by the way, the Ramos says we are makvid even to remove things which are mute and any makvid. We don't get involved in the shilas, even then we're makvid. However, the Mishnah Buru brings when it comes to a tefillah, I feel as Ezra. We are not makbed on a chatzitza d'rabbon. Now, just one more point regarding the next part of the Gemara. Rav Shimon and the Rabban have a machlekes. How many walls are needed? The Gemara had several presentations of the machlekes. Yeshem l'mikro, Yeshem l'meseret, we follow the spelling, the reading. Tezis has a kasha. We seem to find steroids, contradictions within Rav Shimon. Here he says one thing, meseret, mikro, elsewhere he says differently. How do we work this out? And he... He remains with Akasha. I saw an uh, interesting terrace that perhaps can be offered uh, on Taisus Kasha. You see, later on, Avzayin, the Gemara tells us that there are many shitas which hold Sukadiras Kvabinen. That's presented as a temporary dwelling, temporary structure. Amongst them we find none, none other than Rav Shimon. The fact that he requires three walls and a bit indicates that he needs a Diras Kva. Explain them for him. Now, although we have an Ahmed Gemara here, Shimon is based on Drashis, Masurus, Mikra, Basukais. How does the Gemara come to the conclusion that Shimon is based on Diras Kva? So, in Farshim explain, you know, we find this many times that there is a Machlekes which is Drasha based, but really behind the Drasha lies Svaris, rationale, and uh, all kinds of logic which um, generates the Svaris. Uh, and, and leads the, the, the uh, generates the drushes, I mean, and leads it in a certain direction to achieve that result, which was borne out by the Svara. Here as well, Rabbi Shimon is based on Diras Kva. That's where he's coming from. And therefore, when he applied the drushes, it was in that vein. He applied drushes which will result. He learned the Psukim based on the drasha, and he applied the drushes in a way which will result in a Sukkah requiring three walls and a bit. To conform to Deir Kva. So indeed, we find elsewhere perhaps that Shimon works with different guidelines of Masuris and Mikra, but over here specifically, we need Deir Kva. So he propelled the drushes, he diverted the drushes based on that result. 
to achieve a result of a three-wall sukkah, which indeed is a dira askva. 